Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk EU podcast. This podcast now has been in existence for a couple of years. And what I try and do with this podcast is bring to light topics that are being discussed at the EU and sometimes at the national level, and try and make it intelligible for those of you that are listening to me. Do be sure to follow the podcast because there are many different topics in the pipeline and share it with your colleagues and friends and follow me on LinkedIn. I am delighted always to respond to discussions or queries on LinkedIn if you have any questions following this podcast. So do engage with me. I really, I'd love to hear from you. Now, today's topic. Today's topic is seemingly a very dry topic, supervisory convergence. However, it is perhaps the greatest challenge for the EU and the single market. European legislation, as those of you know, is dominated by directives. The directives are useful in that they look at the differences in legal systems across the EU member states, and they are flexible, so they can be applied and slightly modified at the national level. But this can also lead to divergences. And this is a complex matter when you're trying to build a single market. And it's even more complex when you're trying to build this single market in a geopolitical world that is establishing different zones of influence and where financial markets are crucial for the economy. So following Brexit, this really threw a light on what is the EU trying to do with the single market? Does it want to become Fortress Europe and close itself off, protect investors from outside influences? Or do we have an open dialogue with that very large financial market across the channel, which is the UK? The UK, as you know, is trying to build a global financial centre. It always did have this as as its vocation, but even now, even more so following Brexit. So these relationship and geopolitical tensions affect how we look at the single market and affect how member states in the EU want to work closer together or not. So remember that the European Supervisory Authorities, or ESAs for short, were founded in 2011. Following the financial crisis and the tsunami of regulations, it was really important that at EU level, there was an overview of what was happening. And member states took that step forward by founding the ESAs. And these were actually amended in 2019 and 2020. But the COVID pandemic and Brexit have altered the financial landscape. And in this way, the Capital Markets Union plan, which was revised in 2020, requires the European Commission to revise the whole framework and take it forward to even more convergence. This is complex. If you look at, for example, the French presidency, the Digital Services Act, which is now bringing the EU very fast forward into digitalization and fintech, is yet again being put forward as needing more leeway at the national level because member states are different and have different ways of looking and protecting consumers. So you see that even in not in financial services, but in fintech and the digital world, this is also important. So we need really to build that capital market. We need to build that single market and supervisory convergence is very important. The European supervisory authorities did have quite a bit of influence already in supervisory convergence in what we call Q&As. 
Q&As are uh, the way the ESAs use to build understanding following legislation coming out. In this way, they, with the Q&A, they seek almost to build by example and by different directions, a sort of closer understanding as to how the legislation should be looked at, both by the financial industry, but also by the supervisory authorities in the member states. However, these are non-binding. Supervisory convergence is also non-binding in the sense that ESAs don't have the final word. ESAs, for example, are also sometimes really rushed when legislation gets to the level, what we call level two and level three, which is when it starts following down from what is decided at the highest level at the EU down into, for example, where the applications have to start coming out in the national member states. And ESAs have to intervene, let's say, on these Q&As and on looking at the technical standards of the legislation, looking at really the application. The timeline is very short, and this often leads to a lack of granularity and a lack of being able to really dig down into the, into the problems. We've seen this happening over and over with MIFID. We've seen it happen with the PRIPS regulation, which is really created, and that was a regulation, and we've seen how that created problems. So the ESAs, they do have more power now than they did in 2011, and they have really proved their value in the supervisory convergence. And I want to give you two comments from two organizations at the EU level that deal with financial consumers, the retail market, because after all, the single market um, is not only beneficial to the institutional investors and financial industry, and the economy, but also to retail financial users, encouraging them to go cross-border, to seek better opportunities. So, Berg, the European Consumer Association, remarked when the ESAs were revised back in 2019 that the EU will have stronger powers, and this role is crucial because it really is important to build a similar level of financial consumer protection across all EU member states. Again, what is important is that the budget needs to be revised. We see that the ESAs really don't have a very large budget, and in order to really achieve full supervisory convergence and really build that dialogue, they would need a lot more budget to to be able to do that. The EU has also fallen short of setting up a specific EU financial consumer protection agency which a lot of stakeholders think that this would really help to better protect consumers. So this is, again, this is going to be a big challenge. We know that in in September 2022, the EU Commission is going to be coming out with the financial retail uh, agenda, which is taking a look, horizontal look at where uh, consumers are. And some first steps are happening already because the Commission has started to involve itself in financial literacy, something that really was left to the member states. It's a consumer law prerogative, which is national prerogative and not handled at the EU level. However, the EU has made a partnership with the OECD to set up a financial literacy program. And this is a very important first step because remember, what is important in building a capital market 
union that is accessible for retail financial users. It is about product governance, the right product governance. And that, again, is important for supervisory convergence. It's about fiduciary behavior. So how the sales advice is managed and what is the responsibility in judging whether the suitability criteria are met at MIFID level. And lastly, of course, it's also the financial literacy of that financial user. What did Better Finance say, which is the other financial user association, more for those uh, for shareholders and uh, more sophisticated investors, let's say? They also noted the progress on supervisory convergence. But they did say that CMU is, is not going to be completed unless um, there is even further harmonization of EU rules and the monitoring is bettered across the supervisory convergence. So again, I think what was important in this supervisory convergence was the Wirecard debacle, the case in Germany, with a certain lack of consideration on supervision. And it led to Wirecard even being cited in a revision of the Capital Markets Union plan. So again, that was a first for the European Commission to actually make a comment on something that was happening at a national level, in this case, Germany. So what has the Commission done? It's it's launched a consultation last year, and we have the answers to that as of last week. Um, So I want to take you a little bit through that consultation. The Commission really wants to see how it can reduce differences between national laws and looking to establish better stability across the single market. So this is important. Where are we then? So the public consultation was run in the first quarter of 2021, and it really was a stock-taking exercise. Uh, CFA Institute also responded to this, and I'll take you through our answer um, in, in, in detail because it is it is important. Again, What was clear was that the extraordinary events caused by COVID-19 have also had an impact on the reflection of the supervisory convergence and this building of the single market. What do stakeholders in general, what did they have to say to the European Commission in this consultation? Clearly, ESAs have had good impact on financial stability, the functioning of the internal market during COVID, and strengthening international supervisory dialogue and coordination with, for example, the UK, building more on investor protection and looking more to what are the needs in the whole sustainable finance dialogue. What are the main obstacles? Well, it's the specificities of local markets. A local market in Central and Eastern Europe is is not going to be the same as a local market in France, Germany, the Netherlands, for example. So it's it's difficult to centralize at this moment in time. Some respondents have said that maybe there are key parts of the financial markets that might benefit from increased central supervision. For example, on uh, ESG data providers or EU central counterparties, which, of course, with that debate on equivalence for central counterparties based in the UK. Again, majority of stakeholders have said that COVID-19 really showed up the positive aspects of the supervisory convergence and that the ESAs have really achieved a very strong role in the landscape of financial markets in the EU. Now, the problem remains on that coordination, because coordination doesn't mean you can impose something. It means that you have to talk. And again, it's important to see how that 
flow of information goes between the national regulatory authorities, the national competent authorities, and the ESAs when, for example, there is an issue to debate on investor protection, for example. So the single rule book, most respondents, it seems, to the European consultation did not really reveal that strong support for further EU harmonization. However, what was important was to streamline the process in which legislation comes to the market. So what I've said is at the level one, we say the, the, the Council and the European Parliament take a decision to adopt a piece of legislation. It then goes down to the technical standards at the ESAS level. And from there, it goes into the adoption by the member states. So streamlining that process, having clear, clear views by financial markets and the industry on how this is working is really important. Also, I would say that it is absolutely key to avoid being too technical at the level one. We have seen this with the whole sustainable finance on disclosures. Uh, it is hard to be very technical on the level one. It's, this also happened, by the way, with the prospectus regulation, where too much technical detail went into the level one, and it did create problems further down the line when you try and adopt the technical standards to the reality of the financial markets. So again, it's it's laying clear differences as to what happens at which level that is going to build that uh, supervisory convergence. What did we think? Well, we saw with our member societies, and we have 24 member societies in the EU, going from Central Eastern Europe to North, South, North, North, South Europe. So our members are very engaged, very engaged with their local regulators, and they have seen and commented on gold plating. Gold plating, even with regulations, which should be directly applied. Our society in Poland has written a remarkable piece of research, which was taken up by the Polish regulatory authority on this, on gold plating. So it is really an issue and enforcement action could really work to establish a level playing field also. So what again did we see? We also concentrated on the digital finance, that digital finance requires a common database. It requires monitoring at ESA levels. It is cross-border. It is global. We need that monitoring. We also uh, commented on the fact that behavioral science is gaining ground at the national regulatory level and that it could gain ground at the ESA level. Behavioral science is, the, let's say, the glue that is taking what is happening in the financial markets, looking at what the realities is for investors and how the system could be changed. So again, it's being more innovative. And I would remind my listeners that CFA Institute did two COVID surveys with our members, global membership. What came out of that is that regulation, far from being static and looking to the past, is being seen by our members as being far more forward-looking and innovative. And that is a really good thing. If I go back in time five years when I used to talk about thinking outside the box to regulators, and they used to tell me, Josina, you're thinking, you're doing some blue sky thinking here. This has changed. Now, regulators actively seek opinions on what is the future? How can we build it? We need to be far faster. So instead of legislation taking five or, or, or 10 years sometimes even to come into, into practice, it's much faster. However, that is a problem, as we've seen with sustainable finance, it's being rolled out at a very fast speed. 
And this is creating, again, compliance difficulties. So it, there is always two sides to, to this coin. We also noted that the ESA still have limited enforcement powers to deal with breaches of EU rules. And I think that is something that really should be addressed. So where are we now? We are now with dealing with equivalents of the UK central counterparties. And that again, the ESMA report on clearing services showed that there is substantial systemic importance for the EU's financial stability and may have risks for us that is we cannot quite control with having central clearing in the UK. So we cannot either take everything back into Europe and becoming that fortress Europe, as I said at the beginning of my of my chat. But again, it we need to we need to be sure that we can manage that systemic risk. And I think that equivalence and dealing with what is happening in the UK for central clearing of financial markets products is going to be important for developing that internal market. So again, we need to watch. And as I said at the beginning, geopolitical events have an importance to the single market. They have an importance to how we build that supervision at the EU level and at the local level. And the devil is in the detail, as we have said. So I hope you enjoyed this rather dry matter, but I try to make it more interesting because I think it's crucially important to developing the capital markets. What will be my next topics? My next topics will be on the audit reform at the EU level and corporate reporting. And also, I will be doing a podcast on SPACs because SPACs, of course, have been the flavor of the month or of the year in the US. They are not quite so much the flavor in the EU, but they are developing and they are being launched in countries like France, the, the Netherlands, Luxembourg. So watch out for these podcasts that will be coming. Thank you very much for listening. Mm-hmm.